Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adiwumi, and we are going through the book of Matthew in this recording, and it's a teaching. So get your Bible and open it to Matthew chapter 14, is where we are today, and we're going to go verse by verse, and I will stop, pause, and give some comments, and I believe that the Lord will give us insight in some of the things that he was teaching us. Matthew chapter 14, Gospel of Matthew chapter 14 from verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. And therefore, mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Now, this Matthew is going to tell us what happened to John the Baptist because Herod already killed John the Baptist by this time and he was hearing another prophet doing signs and wonders, he thought it must be John the Baptist that rose up from there. So Herod was one of those that believed in all those uh, uh, fairy tales or fantasy or people call it superstition that when people rise from the dead, they have supernatural power. So that was what he was alluding to. He thought it must be the John the Baptist that he killed, that has risen up and now signs and wonders are now appearing through him. But his disciples, his, his servants will say, no, it's not John the Baptist, it's another person. But still, now it's going to tell us what really happened between John the Baptist and Herod, King Herod. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. But John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. Now, that is one of the reasons why it is wise to avoid politics, political commentary. You mean, what do you mean by politics? Say for, say, for example, they tried to incriminate our Lord Jesus Christ also when they was preaching. In the days of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, the Jews were under the Roman Empire. And the Rome was taxing all the nations of the world, paying tax. They are compelling them to pay tax to Rome. And the Jews didn't like it, and they were, it's like a political topic, not so. They wanted to revolt against Rome for that, uh, or, or for the fact that they are compelling them to pay tax. And so they brought that question to the Lord Jesus Christ when they were really just to more or less to incriminate him because they are actually compelled to pay the tax. They are paying the tax, but they didn't like it. And so they, in their mind, for the Jews, Anyone that is supporting taxation will be anti-Israel. And if you are against taxation, you must be against Rome, not so. So they, they brought some, they, they wanted to trap our Lord Jesus Christ in, in his preaching because they, the, 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 the rulers of the Jews didn't like him. They were trying to see if they can find a, a soul, they will just accuse him before the, judge, before the governor and say, this man is saying they shouldn't pay tax. And actually, even though he didn't say that, in the end, they still use that as part of their line of accusation. But the governor knew better when they arrested Jesus Christ in the end. 
But that was why they brought the question to him. Maybe we'll get to it in this book of Matthew, where they say, oh, ma Master, we know that you don't respect any person. You don't show favoritism. You tell it the way it is. Is it good for us to pay tax to Caesar? And Jesus Christ said, why tempt me, ye hypocrites? And he used the wisdom of God. He said, give me a penny. Let me see the penny. And they used to pay tax. And they gave him a penny. He looked at the penny. He said, whose image and superscriptions on this penny? I mean, there's an image on the penny. Just like if you open your dollars, you see somebody's photo on it. Or even the, the, the silver coin, the penny coins, uh, all, they have image of somebody imprinted on those money. Say, Who's Caesar? He said, Caesar's name. He said, well, that means the money belongs to Caesar. So give it back to him. So that was the wisdom God used. So this means the politi political question that if you say, yes, they should pay, the, the, the Jews will be opposing you now. They have something to say. Why are you following this man? He said we should pay his on, this, on the side of Rome. And if you say they shouldn't pay, the soldiers are listening, they just arrest him immediately and say he's, 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 he's causing a revolt against Rome. So Christ said, This money belongs to Jesus, give it back to Jesus. But your heart belongs to God. Say, What belongs to God, give it to God. Your heart is what God is looking for. Our heart belongs to God. God is, we are in the image of God. So we are to give our heart to God. But the money is made by Caesar. That's why he put his photo on it. Give it back to him, he wants part of it. So that was what the Lord used to answer them. But those are political questions. Sometimes they may ask us in this generation that, oh, that governor, so and so is this. What do you think? They want you to incriminate yourself to oppose the governor so that the governor can arrest you or the government can arrest you. But see, somebody say, well, you know, that governor has just declared himself to be, to be homosexual. What do you think about homosexuals? You, can, you don't need to mention the governor's name. You can preach homosexuality, so fornication, adultery, Embezzlers, all those things, they are all sin. Everybody needs to repent. Without mentioning the name, and they say, well, what do you think about governor? So, so, no, I don't need to think. I'm just praying for both governor and you too that is asking the question. You are to repent. As I have repented, following the Bible. Everybody must repent. So they won't be able to, but if you raise up your mind and speak against the governor, you are just judging that governor or that man as if you are better. No, everybody needs to repent. That's all. You stay with the word of God. Then they will be, they will be opposing the word of God if they arrest you for that, which is next persecution. But you see, what John was framed here, and he was told, he was saying that he, he said he spoke to Herod. Whether Herod came there before him, I don't know. Or he just sent his, uh, his Herodian, Herodian, the people that are serving Herod, to go and listen, to see what he will say, to ask him questions. And if you openly open the mouth and, and mention Herod and say what Herod has done is wrong, then they, they can arrest him. Because that's what he said. He, he, he was saying he ought not to marry that woman. Because that woman is uh, his brother's wife. And of course, his brother is still alive. This brother divorced his wife and this other brother quickly got the wife. So that was what George was, John was judging and saying it out verbally and then he was arrested by Herod. But that was a political issue. And if we stay away from politics, we'll be better off as preachers of the gospel. Just preach the truth. Preach the gospel. Don't mention names. You can tell that adultery is wrong. You can tell that divorce is wrong. They say, well, this man divorced. I don't care. You are everybody that divorced, you repent. Everybody that is not divorced, you repent. You are, everybody needs to repent. Whether fornication, repent. Adultery, repent. Homosexual, repent. Uh, you are that embezzling money, repent. You that are lying, repent. Everybody should repent. Without mentioning the name of the, but if you capitalize on the governor, they just ask, or capitalize on the president, they just talk about, then you are now going to be uh, in doing political issue. 
you know, avoid politics as much as possible when you are preaching. And just pray for everybody. Pray for them because we are all sinners saved by grace. We that are born again. But those people that are still in their sin, pray that they repent also. Verse 6 now talk about how Herod was, when Herod killed John the Baptist. He was already in prison. He was, uh, John the Baptist was already in prison by Herod. But he didn't kill him right away. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias, as the wife of Herod is called Herodias, danced before them and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. It was colluded between Herod and Herod's wife, most likely. The woman wanted to kill John because she, John was saying Herod shouldn't have married that woman who was the wife of Herod's brother. The woman wanted to kill, Herod, kill John if she could, but she was not the king. So she could also be, only be talking behind the back of uh, John. But Herod was afraid, didn't want to kill John immediately, just put him in prison. But maybe they colluded and say, well, when I'm doing my birthday, let your daughter come and dance. And when, she, when I promise him anything, let him, you, you tell her to come and ask for this. So now the woman, the daughter, the daughter went and asked her mom, what shall I ask? She said, yeah, go ask for John the Baptist's head. And she came and said, give me the head of John the Baptist in a charger. But now said, the king was sorry. No, more, more, so, more so to speak. Nevertheless, for the old sake, and then we sat with him at meet. He commanded it to be given her. Just see how those kings behave as if they own the world. Can just take somebody and cut his head off. And because he was in prison of something. But see, God will judge. God will say, God is slow. Look at God is slow in judging. That man, that woman that got the head of Herod, uh, the head of John the Baptist brought to that woman, she could have just run mad on that day. Say, God is slow and gentle. Maybe she will repent. Then she then revenge, she go to hell. God is patient with mankind, long-suffering. So, but the way we wanted this thing to happen instantly so that everybody knew that this is why it happened to the woman. No, God just left them alone until the right time when they die, they go to hell. Because that was eternal. The hundred years here on earth is nothing. They may enjoy themselves hundred years on earth and think nothing happened to them. But see, hundred years is not the end of human beings. Eternity is a long time, but it's forever. And the spirit and the soul will be, will be feeling the same thing they feel on earth. So that's why we all want to fear God. Fear God. And verse 10. And Herod sent and beheaded John in the prison, and his head was brought in a charger, and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples, that John's disciples came and took up the body and buried it, and went and told Jesus. So that was how John the Baptist died. And you have to remember in, in the earlier place, he said John the Baptist sent two, two disciples to Jesus. He said, are you the one that should come? Or should we be looking for another? Because he was in that prison, he thought, this Messiah should have come and deliver me or do something. And the Messiah didn't show up. And that was why he sent messengers to say, are you the one that, should? after he has you are the one that said, this is the Messiah. But see, when trouble comes to people sometimes, they begin to shh. Doubt their former standing. But see, but Jesus Christ kind of corrected and said, Blessed is the man that is not offended in me. 
But that was how it was written that John the Baptist will go. That was how he went that way. Verse 13. We are reading Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard of it, when he heard that John has been killed, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. Now, the compassion is what the Bible shows us that it is the compassion that we must have for the afflicted, for the miracles to work, for the, for the faith to work. The Bible says faith worketh by love. Love is that compassion that must generate in the heart of those who want to work miracles. Compassion is a form of love that concerns for what you are seeing of the affliction of these people. And Christ, we have said, the Lord Jesus was moved with compassion. People coming every time, carrying a sick person to the desert because of this man, they didn't, they have prayed, their brother, their family, Lord, their loved one to be healthy and healed. That you raise compassion. How the devil has turned the world into a trouble, miserable place. People are afflicted, diseases and bedridden and so many things. The Lord showed compassion, seeing people being carried. I was like that when I was born. I was being carried by my mom. They said I could, I could, I was almost going to be paralyzed when I was first born. They say, the Lord showed compassion. And that was what he said we heal. When we are going to pray for somebody to be healed, we must feel for the person. If you don't feel for the person, it's just trying to demonstrate power. And that's why most of the time it does not work. Because the Bible says faith, our faith, worketh by love. Let's remember that. Faith working by love. That's the word. It is the love of Christ for the people that are sick, afraid, that he's seen, that are running towards him, that make the miracle to work and he was healing. His website. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. That's chapter 14, verse 14. Verse 15 says, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place. And the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They did not depart, give you them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Well, bring them either to me. And that was where the Lord was going to perform another miracle of multiplication of bread. Verse 19. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. No, we all know that's a miracle. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men, beside women and children. Wow, say beside women and children. Let's think. Uh, Let's say for every man that are there have a wife and two kids. So that should be like 5,000 times four also. That would be almost 20,000. 20, and they were all filled. So they only counted the men. They beside women and children. Verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side. Why he send the multitudes away? When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. 
now apostle Matthew is going to give us another miracle of where all the logical walk upon the water to go and meet the disciples. Verse 24. See, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves. For the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Now, fourth watch of the night, start counting from 6 p.m. Because they count the day and say third hour, second hour, third hour, that will be 6 a.m. till, till 12, 12 noon will be 6, will be 12, 12, 12 noon will be about 6, 6, uh, 6 hour, 3 p.m. will be 9th hour, 6 p.m. will be what you call 12th hour. Now they started the night also counting from 6 p.m. Also, I believe that it will now be, what is the fourth hour of the night will be like 10 p.m. People assume that fourth hour, they were thinking it's 4 a.m. I don't think it's before him. I don't see them. They, when it's getting dark is when they get into the ship and they are going to the other side. So you should have known that by 8 p.m. it's getting dark. So why are they going to be there? So they were rowing, rowing towards the shore from 8 p.m. or 7 p.m. while they were going. And Jesus Christ was on the mountain. So I don't think it will be more than 10 p.m. when the Lord was seeing that the, the, the wind was blowing them back to this other side. So then the Lord was walking towards them at about 10 p.m. That's so the fourth hour. Fourth hour of the night. Fourth watch. They call it fourth watch. Verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Verse 26 says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Now verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now this was reported by Matthew, that Peter walked upon the, upon the sea. But when you go to Mark, even though they reported some of this, John, Apostle John reported this story also, but he didn't talk about Peter walking upon the, upon the lake. Because he was more concentrated on the Lord Jesus Christ. But Matthew, we know by now that Matthew was one of the apostles. So he most likely was in the show. So he was the one that reported that Peter called out and said, If it be thou, call me to come also. Bid me to come unto thee on the water. Verse 29 says, And he said, Come. Lord accepted the challenge and said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Amazing, isn't that amazing? But now let's see what happened. See, what happened is not really, but many times we always remember uh, Peter would try to walk and he failed or was falling. But you see, that even take one, two, three steps is a, is a, is a good faith. Jesus Christ said that's a small faith. He wanted to have great faith because we must concentrate on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't take your eye off of him. But when he saw that's what started, but when he saw the wind boister, so which means he looked away from Jesus and was looking at the wind, looking around to see what's going on. And then he started, started sinking. When he saw the wind boister, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Now remember that fear, doubt come from walking by sight. Walking by sight. We have to walk by faith and not by sight. And he, stood, he took the first step and said, tell me to come. And Jesus said, take come. So that faith made him have the boldness to step on the water. And he was walking towards Jesus. 
Then he started walking by his side by looking around and saying, wow, wow. Then that made him to say, well, geez, you, you, Peter, you can walk. The devil will whisper that to your mind. The devil is the one that is the master of doubt. The devil will just jump on your sister before you know he jump on your sister and say, what are you doing, Peter? You are a fisherman. You know what is going to happen. You are going to do it. Now, once the devil whispered to that and you took your eye off of this and you are now seeing the wind, you are going to be listening to what the devil said also. And that is where many of us make a mistake. But we, how do you counter that? By speaking back onto that voice that was talking to your mind. If you have, if you have spoken back to that voice and said, no, I won't run. Master said, come. The master said, come. He will have remained floating on the top of the water. But if you don't respond to the voice and just rebuke that voice, the, the, you, are listening, you are obeying the voice. Not so. And that was what happened to Peter and then he was sinking. Sinking or something, he just went there. Well, if he went there, full, 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 most of them won't be able to talk much. And, but he said, maybe his feet were only going to get down, get down, go down, go down. Because he said he was sinking. That's what the Bible said. No, sir. When he saw the wind, boy, he was afraid and beginning to sink. You see, people don't begin to sink. They go down, right? Because your weight, if you, so that's why it is a progression. Progression of sinking. The Lord, me, mess up, it doesn't just... The water doesn't just fill under him, open down his foot for him to go down. It was gradually, you know, like becoming quicksand, quicksand, quicksand. That's why he saw himself sinking, going down towards his knee. And then he couldn't know where he's going now. That's why he's crying, you see. But he also, the Lord, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? That is our problem, doubt. And doubt always comes from the voices that the devil is sent to remind us of what we have. What are you doing? What will happen if you fall down? And you listen to that voice, you're doubting the faith. And the Lord help us. The Lord help us. And many times that's what I remember in the vision where the Lord told me that I, you are, I have already healed it. The Lord said it because the Bible said that by Israel you are already healed. And then there's a, a satanic spirit or a, a person standing by me and say, Yeah, you are already, but you're feeling in pain. How can there be pain when the old Lord said, I already healed you? But I should respond to that and say, well, there should be no more pain because Christ said, I am already healed. If I am healed, pain should be gone. Why? Because the Bible said, Christ took our pains, he bore our pains upon himself on the cross. So, but if you don't respond to that voice, the devil will think, well, he didn't respond means that he agreed with the devil that said, there will still be pain. You know, God said, he has healed, there will still be pain. And the devil will bring that pain. That's, that's uh, called symptoms. And then you begin to fight the pain. You are fighting symptoms. You are to rebuke the voices that say there is going to be pain. No, there will be no pain because Christ took our infirmities and our pains upon himself on the cross. If I have responded in that vision right back to the devil that said it, the devil will not be allowed to put pain of whatever it is upon, upon my body. And then I have to rebuke the devil later and say, no, you don't bring pain upon my body because Christ took my pains and my sorrows and my fear upon himself on the cross. 2,000 years ago, it is finished. So that is what the devil specializes in, reminding you of something that may happen if, if, you, if, if, you, if, you, if you are not sure of what you are doing. Or what, and that is what the devil tries to do. And God says, I have healed you. It is the word of God. And the devil says, oh no, your pain will still be there. No, the pain shouldn't be there. If I am believing I will be healed, then I should tell the devil, no, pain shouldn't come because Christ took my pain. He didn't just heal me and left the pain there. Christ took my pain upon himself on the cross. That is part of the healing. So there shall be no pain. Amen. In Jesus' name. 
Verse 32. And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Genesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly old. Just to touch the hem of his garment because virtue, power was coming out of him. And the Bible promised, the Lord God promised that at the end of this world, before the end of the world, there will be a mighty revival. When God wanted to manifest his sons of God that he has brought up in, the, in Christianity to the fullness of the statue of Christ, it's going to happen. And it's very soon. We are waiting for that. The Lord is building us believers up to, to maturity. And the first fruits will arrive at the, at the level of Christ. And that's what you see in the book of Revelation chapter 14, verse 1. The first fruits unto God. And they will come to that level of Christ-like stature. In faith. And let me read it to you in Revelation chapter 14. And when God is manifesting them, God will come down and, and rest upon them. And virtue also will be coming through them to heal the people in the last few months or years before the Lord take the saints away in the rapture. That will take place. And this is what we are waiting for right now. Mighty manifestation of the sons of God. Verse chapter 14 of the book of Revelation said, I look and look, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand. Having his father's name written in their voice. Some people thought this was, this was Jews. No, this, was, this is different from Revelation chapter 7. This chapter 14 verse 1 is different from Revelation chapter 7 verse 1 to 14 where he talked about the seal Hebrews or Israelites that he gave number to. But this one he said they are redeemed from the earth. Look at it. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers happy with the harp. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and elders. No man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. You see that? They were redeemed from the earth, not redeemed from Israel. Redeemed from the earth. Worldwide. Verse 4 is where he's telling us who are these people. These are they which were not defied with women for their virgins, spiritual virgins. These are they which follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. That is, they hear and obey. They hear a voice and obey. That is very important that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. These were redeemed from among men. See, I'm from among men. Don't say from among the Jews. From among men, so worldwide. Being the false fruits unto God. Now, this is what God has been waiting for, the false fruits. Like I was preaching many of my sermons, this planet is a, is a plantation where God is harvesting human beings. And when you are doing harvest, there must be false fruit of human beings first. And Christ is the standard. The Lord Jesus Christ is the standard that he was looking for. And that is what these are. The false fruit is he gave a number. I must get 144,000 of human beings that are saints, that are redeemed from man, that are brought to the fullness of the search of Christ. God must get 144,000. And that will be the first fruit. Just like you go to a farm and you, you planted the corn and the corn, the whole place is full of corn. And then at the time of harvesting, the farmer goes to the field to get the first fruit. And God is, they should give that first fruit to God. That's what the Bible said according to Moses for the Hebrews. That the first fruit should be given to the temple. Okay. But God that is dictating and can say, I want 144,000 corns. You see. That is similar to what we are saying. God said, 
I must get 144,000 human beings that have come to the level of stature of Christ that, are my, that must be first fruits. That is why we are all shooting for that goal. Everybody must be shooting for that goal. Those that have died and have not arrived at that fullness of the stature of Christ for, are different. This is at the end of the world, he is going to get 144,000 first fruits. God planned that. Well, someone said, well, the dead, maybe God will bring some of them also as a part of it. Yes, it's possible. Because they are not true yet. They are not done yet if they are just in paradise because God can resurrect them and give them a new body. It is not the body. It is the spirit. Our spirit and soul that God is working on. Our spirit and soul is what God is working on. Look at what, this is what Apostle Paul was saying. Let me read verse 5 of that. Revelation chapter 14 before I go to Apostle Paul. And in their mouth was found no guy, but they are without fault before the throne of God. So that is, those are the first fruits. And say we are, we are, they are without guy, without fault before the throne of God because we are washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is the blood of Jesus Christ that makes it happen. And then you see in the why Apostle Paul was writing to us that in Ephesians chapter 4, that we are all to come to that fullness of the search of that is the goal for the believers. So that it's not only the one for that must arrive at the at the stature of Christ. That is the goal that God has laid out for every believer. But we will not all get there at the same time. That's the issue. Because Apostle Paul was writing in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, talking about the ministry that Christ has put in his body. In verse 11, he said, They gave some, he said, He descended, he said, He that descended, verse 10, of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For what purpose? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 30 says, Till we all, see, God is, the goal of our God is to bring all of us to this fullness of the search of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, that is, that is, that is understandable. Why? If you plant your corn in your field, even though they are first food that ripen first, you want all the others to ripen. You don't want them to be crummy looking corn that will never be used for you, useful to you. Every corn should be ripened also. Before you go and have a bed, they are with the first fruit that happen for. That's what you are talking about. So you must get the first fruits and give that to God. Then come the re-harvest. When all the corn are ripened, how are they going to be ripened? Because God will make it happen that they all happen. And the sun, the water, and the sun, the heat is what make all the corn to ripen on the field. No, so, but you must get the first fruits out. Then come the general harvest when all the corn are ripened. But they are ripening means they come to maturity as sons of God. Maturity and God will allow sometimes persecution and also type of thing to bring everybody to that fullness of the stature of Christ. And that is what he has promised and he will do. And this is the end of chapter 14. I'll just expand on the fact that in verse 36 of the last chapter of chapter 14, he was saying they will be the people are flocking to touch our Lord Jesus Christ, and as many are touching, they are being healed by supernatural light, life, fire of God coming from the body of Jesus Christ, healing them. And I'm saying, at this end of the world, God is going to manifest the first fruits first that arrive to the fullness of the church of Christ, and God will descend and rest upon us. And anointing of God will be flowing through we that are in the first fruit level, 
to go and heal anyone that come and touch them. I mean, people will be flocking to touch them also, just like they are flocking to touch Jesus. Why? Because they are seeing things coming from their body to heal. That is why, not just because touch him and nothing happened. I mean, they will be flocking to touch them because heaven has come down, the Father has come down to rest upon his sons, just like he did for Jesus Christ or not. And then, miracle signs and wonders will be happening if we church, few short walks, maybe months, maybe a year, maybe two years, you don't know, and then they disappear before they before there's real general office. So that will take place. It has been prophesied that there will be the manifestation of the source of one. The Bible said in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, let me add that one into this chapter. In the book of Romans chapter 8, what Apostle Paul was mentioning this, that the whole planet, the whole earth is waiting for that manifestation of the sons of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. He said, for the earnest expectation of the creature, that's this planet Earth, waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. These are the sons of God we are talking about. The first fruits are the sons of God, first fruits. They are everybody else that ripened our sons of God, but you must get the first fruits. That God wants to manifest them by mighty, mighty demonstration of his power before there is final rapture. And that is what we are waiting for. I pray that the Lord will give every one of us that are shooting for this goal to arrive at that fullness of the church of Christ spirit in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ I pray. Amen. Continue this in the next chapter.